The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Friend of a Friend. It's your host, Liv Perez. You know that a brand is truly on the rise when you open your Instagram and TikTok, and over the course of, say, a week or so, you see almost every single creator you love wearing this one brand. From Sophia Richie Grange to Tinks, this was the case for a brand that I love called Tay Park. It's a brand that was founded in Brooklyn in 2020 that specializes in vintage-inspired pieces with a modern flair. I actually found the brand because a dear friend of mine shared the brand in a roundup of brands who he loved, and I totally get why. I feel like the brand is something unlike anything I've ever seen before. It's feminine, wearable, but with a really unique twist. And Definitely one of those brands that you will 100% get stopped on the street and asked where it's from. From going up in Southeast Asia to interning for the likes of Alexander Wang and Perenza Schooler to now running her own business, Tay Park and I got to sit down today to talk about what it takes to be an emerging designer in the fashion industry today. We also talk about which business models are successfully working for her, what influences her viral pieces, and how to balance being a creative with running your own business. Also, pro tip, if you are looking for the perfect piece for Valentine's Day, Tay Park has definitely got your back. I really recommend the present dress in this like gorgeous wine color or the sheer kite knit top with maybe a pair of black pants for the special occasion. And of course, if you want to see more visual moments from this episode, head over to my TikTok at live with two V's dot press. Without further ado, here's my friend Tay Park. Hi, Liv. How are you? I'm so good. How are you? I'm great. I'm so happy to finally connect with you virtually in some way because I feel like we've been Instagram friends for a while and I'm so happy to finally meet you. No, likewise. I mean, I'm such a fan of you and your work and I think you have incredible style and just everything about you is so grace. So when you reached out, I was so excited. Oh, thank you. I'm equally a big fan of yours and have been following your rise for so long. I'm so happy to have you on the show. I love your design ethos. Sometimes I think of your clothes as like, utilitarian, but also so feminine and beautiful. It's like something I feel like I could wear at any time of day, but also be very, very stylish and like poised and elegant. And I think that's really hard to accomplish in women's wear day wear. You actually described the brand perfectly. And that's like kind of how I feel. I'm just really grateful that it resonates and you said it perfectly. It's a mix of that, you know, feminine, but also a little bit of boyish, just so that It's kind of like a very Brooklyn-esque, you know, vibe as well in that sense. If you see the way the girls dress here, it's some tomboyish. But then I also really like to romanticize the clothes. So they're perfectly. (laughs) I love that. Like it it is it is so romanticized. It's what I would want to wear every day. But as if I was in my own little movie. I mean, thank you. I'm such a fan of how you educate your audiences about how to, you know, elevate their lifestyle and like especially with the styling advice. And I find that really impactful because, you know, starting this business, I just really didn't realize people have a hard time to find and express who they really are. And a lot of people sometimes don't necessarily have immediate resources. You do a really great job guiding them. And it doesn't have to be where it's really over the top. It's like you're making them not be fearful of, you know, trying out new aesthetics, but in a really tasteful way. I know this whole podcast session is also finding out more about Tay Park, but I'm super fascinated about you as well and how 
you find your inspiration. And I, I'm sure it starts with family because that's the same way on my end. Like the reason I fell in love with fashion is really for my mother, you know? So I'm curious about how you created your own kind of aesthetic as well. Is it really, is it for family or? Yeah, I love that you just said it was your mom because it was my mom too. Growing up, she loved fashion and I have such fond memories being in her closet and bathroom and her and my dad would really go out a lot. They were always kind of out on the town. And so I'd spend so much quality time with her in those kind of private, intimate spaces, watching her get ready and watching her put on her makeup and wear these beautiful pieces. And so many of those pieces she actually still has today. And now I get to wear it to certain things. And it's such an emotional thing to have that in my life and also have that be my reference point. And I love that it was your mom, too. And I know that you grew up all over. So tell me a little bit about your mom and how she dressed and how that spark and love for fashion happened for you. Yeah, I'm from South Korea. But when I was three years old, I moved to China because of my dad's business. And eventually I lived in China. I lived in Vietnam and I also lived in Indonesia. Okay. So I had all that, you know, third culture kid experience living in Southeast Asia. And within that time frame, you know, my mom is a housewife. So she had to go and really be the support of my dad a lot in those business, you know, dinners and outings and events. And exactly what you said, like I see her getting dressed up and I feel like that was something, it's like a sense of feeling I'm always looking for as an adult where, you know, like just like how much she loved dressing up, how confident she was and how much she was shining. When you're boring, the way certain way you are is one thing of wanting to change it. But, you know, when you have clothing as an empowerment, you can really self-express with a piece of item. And I think that was something I felt so special about, like, wow, I could create a product and make someone feel so good about wearing it, no matter who they are or, you know, how they want to be represented. So it's like I'm always seeking for that feeling again when I have as a kid seeing my mom. Hearing you say that, actually, I tears like started to well up in my eyes because I don't think I've ever actually connected that that, too, is the feeling that I search for when I'm getting ready. Is that feeling that I felt watching my mom put on these absolutely stunning pieces and wanting to, you know, as a little girl, how many stories do you hear of girls, you know, putting on their mom's heels and wanting to be like that, like them? So it, it is so deeply interconnected. And yeah, I I really love that you had a similar experience and how that really is the ethos of your brand today. It's making people feel the feeling that you are aspiring towards from your mom. Yeah, no, I think that a lot of the kind of the trajectory I'm going as an adult is really seeking for those kind of innocence in my life, like the child, how it shaped me and how it shapes the brand is always feeling about childhood memories. You know, it's interesting. I have a hard time finding it, but I think every time I'm releasing a product, a part of that comes back. It's very nostalgic. I'm so curious. You lived in so many places growing up and now living in the U.S. and running a brand. What was your personal style like growing up? And I'm sure now it might be different because I think we're so influenced by where we live. But talk to me a little bit about that journey. So living in Southeast Asia, it's lots of colors. You know, the whole country is super tropical. It's very like climate based. And I used to remember I would wear a lot of pop of colors like bright red, bright green. I don't really fully resonate 100% with that anymore. As you get older, you don't really necessarily want to have more clothing. And I think that's also partly why 
I'm like jumping into things, but you know, the aspect of non-seasonal is really important to this brand's integrity because it's supposed to be a very timeless kind of mindset where you really want to keep that item with you for a lifetime. And also that product itself, if it's a top, you know, as a to provide as many alternatives for my consumers, I want them to be able to wear with a skirt, with a pants, with this coat, with that jacket, you know, like a variation of that. So that's something always in my mind. And growing up, I necessarily didn't have that. You know, I wanted more of like quantity and that's like really all I seeked for. But now as I get older, I'm like, that's not really necessary who I want to be anymore. I'm right now reminiscing how I used to dress and it's totally not who I am now. I'm trying to really do my best to create timeless pieces for those reasons. You know, I'm really thinking about this piece, knowing that it's an investment for a lot of people. Uh, are they going to be able to wear it in 10 years? And that's like the top you're wearing right now is really one influenced by my mother. And second is something I truly believe that can, you know, still feel very timeless as time goes on in decades. You brought up the top that I'm wearing and I really feel like this I love all of your pieces, but I feel like this top particularly felt like a moment for you guys. It felt like a moment in time where if I went on Instagram at any given moment, there was someone on my feed wearing it and loving it and also wearing it, I think, in really different ways. Like I wore it with a pair of jeans. I felt super wearable and something that anybody could wear at any given time. But then I also saw it in really glamorous, gorgeous ways that I could even see like a bride wearing it with a really long like silk white skirt. So it was fun to see it. But I really want to hear from you as a designer. What is that feeling of that moment where you know something has hit? I'd love to hear about that experience from you. Every piece is always very in a way. I don't know what to expect. But I think that the fact about anything to do with designing is a very emotional aspect. And I have to say, I think the success of that top really came from because I was outpouring it in a very emotional process and you know it was it was a top that my mom had it was a Kenzo top she never really wore it because she thought it was too revealing and it it's like a similar crisscross kind of like silhouette but it's completely different so I started with that kind of process being like oh you know this is something that I hold on the past 15 years or so of this top and I really want to create something to honor just that feeling of like the time that I would imagine my mom, if she was in her youth, like what she would wear. So after reminiscing about that and about like the word nostalgia again, is where just like putting elements that I also think are beautiful details that really, you know, represent tape art, which is like making sure it has its own adjustability, which is always so important that I always say in the design process, because sizing is so universal in a sense where everyone has different parts where it's just not everybody is different and I always want to accommodate that feeling of being able to have the opportunity to adjust it yourself so you can fully really make it yours you know so it's like the back has its lacing where it can cinch your waist but it's really based on like wanting to mold around your body and your form the necktie you know every bust is different as well so having that kind of adjustability is so important to me and while I was creating that process with my team, I really realized, oh, you know, I really want that feeling of getting ready again, feeling beautiful again, like the way as a kid, I saw my mom getting ready and have that resonate in the top. It's a very special feeling knowing that, especially when you mentioned that 
a lot of girls are wearing it for a bridal reason as well, because that's like one of their most important days of their life. And, you know, I feel genuinely so touched. But yes, this top is is actually our bestseller. And I'm so grateful for that. <laughs> Back to what you were saying about having a good investment piece that you'll have forever. I've worn it in so many different settings, so many different ways. And I always go back to it. It's just such a beautiful, timeless, classic piece. And to me, really, it is exactly what I talk about a lot of the times on my Instagram. It's finding, oh, my God, is that your dog in the back? It's Dumpling. Oh, my God, Dumpling. Hi. What a cutie. Yeah, she's always here. She's like my best friend. I love a studio dog. Literally. Love I a mean, studio dog. The environment's much better for everyone. Completely agree. But, yeah. If I had an office, I'd let everybody bring their dogs and it would just be mayhem at all times. It's so cute. I read an interview that you had done recently where you talked about the connection between people and being a business owner and being able to kind of have those relationships and network and really be service driven and how that impacts your design. And I'd love to hear if you could elaborate on that just from, you know, for people listening right now who want to be aspiring designers or in the fashion industry. I loved hearing you touch on that. And I love even more hearing it kind of in practice here with your mom inspiring one of your best selling pieces. I think you can go to school. You can have the best craftsmanship. You can be incredible with fabrics. But at the end of the day, I think it really comes from, as you were saying, that emotional touch point where your inspiration comes from and what kind of your reference points are. So I would love if you could elaborate on that a little bit, because I think it's something that is very undervalued have to say that it really takes a village you know a lot of people don't realize that behind the scene it's not I mean yes it always starts with a sketch you know a pencil and a paper but ultimately to get that product to in real life is it takes a whole team you know there's the pattern maker there's the sewers there's the cutters and like the marketing team like I had our team is small but we have to think about how we're going to launch a product how are we going to communicate that the imagery and when I started the business, I, I really, really took on that kind of like vulnerability to be like, I really love what you're doing. For example, let's say my photographer friends, I think they're so talented. And I'm like, I really want to work with you. How can I make that happen? How is this going to benefit you? And same with our uh, contractors who are manufacturers who spent decades of their lives to make, you know, this product, which is really their craftsmanship. And I want to understand, like, how do I make this better process for them? How is it easier to communicate? And I really rely on my team and my contractors for those things to happen. And if it's not without them, I really don't know how we would get the product to you guys. It's never easy, but with the right resources and like that kind of like nurturing skills really can create amazing results. So it's as much as everyone who wants to aspire to start their brand, I would really say is that be really savvy about your networking, not saying going out of your way, try to be their friend because you want their photo. That's not at all. It's about how are we going to uplift each other as a community? Like if I do well, how are I like, how are going to make sure that you do even great as well? And we have to kind of think like that in the long term as well, or else I just think that a product is just a product, you know? If your friends are going uplifting with you, ultimately you feel a more success and more like rewarding. It's, it's not a journey you want to be solo about. I admire this so much because there's another brand that I love and it's Christopher John Rogers. And that team 
also came together in college. They're actually all friends from college. The publicist, co-designer, Christopher, all of them met and came up together and started the brand together. And they're all still there today. And even hearing you talk about the fact that you tap your friends and bring them in for all the things like I really think that the new class of emerging designers is different than how it used to be. And I think the creative vision is so much stronger when you do bring in your peers and the people that you love. You are the people you surround yourself with. So I see the success of your brand. I see the success of Christopher. And I, I, I'd be remiss if I didn't pinpoint that fact that it's bringing in those people that you love and, and sharing it with everyone. Definitely. No, I'm such a big fan of their brand and it's such a great pinpoint. Like it takes a lot of people to make something happen. And I think that that's the number one kind of mindset a lot of people have to have is, you know, going to that nine to five job or it could be many more hours. Fashion is not easy and not as glamorous, but it's really about like perspective of I'm going in here. I'm willing to let things come to me. I'm willing to be open-minded. I'm willing to learn as much as I can and so that I can apply it elsewhere. And life is like that. It connects in the end of the day. Like something I went through, let's say six years ago, I'm like, oh, that job will never benefit me. Now I'm starting the business. I'm like, oh my God, I'm so grateful that I was patient enough and I was determined enough, even at the darkest time, to be like, now I have that kind of resilience, you know, to be able to do certain things that most people would probably be like, how can you do that? And it's that's always the mindset I kind of always tell people when they ask for advice. There were so many things from my intern days that I had no idea what I was doing and didn't know if they were going to resonate or be a part of my career. And I probably do them once or twice a week at this point. They were so crucial and so fundamental. And I know you have had such incredible experiences in the fashion industry before you went off on your own. I know you were at Tibby and Alexander Wang and Coach, and I would love to hear your perspective on internships because I think it's something today that definitely is not as black and white as it was when I was growing up. Getting an internship felt like something that you needed to do when you were in college or when you were in high school to kind of, you know, grow within a company and learn the ropes. Today, I think they're a little bit more undervalued. Obviously, I think we've had a really big, important movement towards paid internships and making sure that people are getting a fair wage from that, that time. But would love to hear your thoughts on how that experience was formative for you. No, you said it so perfectly. It's the internships that I took in. You know, I was so fearful initially of starting out because it's like you don't know what to expect. You don't know who the people are in there. And it's but then at the same time, you romanticize it. I'm like, oh, fashion's so glamorous. It, it was as honest as I can say, it was, I had some disappointments entering into certain internships because I'm like, oh, wow, like it is not glamorous. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of hard work and it takes a lot of people to make things happen. And if you can't get along with the setting that you're in, it's really not a good experience. So you have to be really positive and also see every work that is as small is equal to as big. You know, it's like you're making an impact in anywhere you putting your time in. And ultimately, I really, really prospectively see the internship as very rewarding, even though it wasn't always the most glamorous, because I put the time in, saw the process, got to meet incredible people who share mutual interest about really making beautiful products. And I always tell people, please go in, learn as much as you can and really, really, you know, kind of like show respect and honor to these people because you never know where they're going to be as well in their life. 
and how they're going to also help you and benefit you in the long run. Yeah, my internships were my best school. Yeah. They were my best school. It's priceless. It's a priceless education. Yes. I love what you said earlier about the fact that it comes back because so many of the people that I connected with and worked with when I was just an intern are people who I still keep in touch with and communicate with today and are part of the fabric of the industry. And I'm just so grateful for that. No, it's so true. It's taking those risks. And also, I think a lot of the like aspiring young, youthful kids are kind of like, how do I figure out what I really want to do or what path it is? And then it's like the internship is a perfect example. You get to see the inside and you get to figure out what you like or don't like. And, you know, the advice I always give is pivot based on your intuition of, oh, I didn't like that. Then know that that's not what you want to do. So you stop focusing on that and keep trying to search. And it's just the best way to figure out what you need to do. It's about going through it and then realizing that's not what I like. It's same same mindset where I'm like, oh, I just want to design. But it's like, you know, how do you become a better designer? You have to know the production processes. And it's like really realizing how crucial that is. But if you want to really understand the full circle of starting a business, you have to do everything you don't like either. And that's something I'm always trying to figure out in a sense, like, I'm not the best at this or I don't love it. But how can I, you know, retrain my brain to really, really enjoy it? So It's kind of something that's been really rewarding as time goes on, especially having a business. Speaking of, like, what made you want to go off on your own after being in all these different internships and jobs? I really have to be super honest. It was not in my books. I I truly saw the hardships of, you know, a business and understanding, wow, it takes a lot of work. But ultimately, what I really realized is that I really want to kind of have a voice on my own. This has been a dream since I was in fifth grade. I really, talking back on my mom, like the reason I want to do fashion was, oh my God, the service of making someone feel so good is something I want to seek out for. And ultimately COVID was really that wake up call. I was really burnt out. I was very unhappy with how I was, you know, going with my life. And I felt like there was something more that I could give a try on. And it I think it was a phone call with my dad. I had a job prior and I told him, I said, I think I'm going to quit this job. You know, I'm I think I need to figure out what I really want to do for my next journey. And he was like, I feel like you're always complaining, you know, being like, you're not happy this and that. But like, you really want to do this, but you're also unhappy. Like, when is it ever going to be the way you want to do it? And I think that was when I realized I was like, oh, my God, I have to give this a chance. I have to give this a try. I can't be fearful anymore. I really put in my time. And ultimately, it started with me making a couple samples because if you're getting any fashion job, you need to have a portfolio. And I thought it was a great way to kind of showcase if it were to another job opportunity to be like, these are my past portfolio with my other, you know, jobs that I'm so grateful I had the experience on. But this is also a new perspective of me as a designer. And having that kind of mindset, I started creating the pieces and then I invited my friends over and hop and catch up and also play dress up. Like one thing I realized with a lot of girlfriends, they love dress up, hang out. Like they get so excited. The best. So- closet hangs are the best. My girlfriends are come over and I'm like, we sitting in the living room and I'm like, do you guys want to go sit in the closet instead? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, they, they love that. And it's like, that's also, you know, my real friends who have their own kind of like understanding of like, I wear these type of clothing because this doesn't work for my body and everyone's so different. So then ultimately 
seeing the success of them being like, oh my God, this one top fits so many people. And like, it looks so good on these type of people. And I'm like, they're like, you need to sell it. I really think it was a blessing in disguise of that moment for all those things to happen to push and launch Tate Park. But it really was, it came quick. And a lot of people are probably really shocked being like, a lot of people spend years to, you know, finally launch a brand. Like, how could you say you've done it in three months? And I'm like, well, maybe it's also because of all the time I spent working at other places. That decade is leading up to now. I also think that in today's world, product is king. And if the product is good, it's going to move. It's going to get eyeballs. People are going to love it. And I can imagine it's scary to launch a brand in today's world. It's not something I would even consider doing because I just know that there's so much out there. And I always say to myself, like, I would never do it unless I had such a unique perspective. And I think that's the success of yours is with the power of social media today and good product. I think that you really have a shot if you have those two things working for you. And you did. Thank you so much. No, I really use social media as a platform of like a blogging. You know, back then we used to have Zynga and like Tumblr. And I remember girls used to be like, oh, I like went to, let's say, Singapore and I went to all these stores. I bought all these things and like show pictures of their products. And I'm like, that was so exciting for me. And I kind of want to utilize Instagram, especially, which is like, you know, our most leveraged platform to use that kind of expression, like a blogging about like a product, but kind of tell a story behind it or utilizing kind of something that's very personal about the experience of having that product and showcasing how to utilize it or how to wear it is something that I really take pride in for that. So, you know, and being honest about it, I think really helps people to feel relatable. I read somewhere they said that the recent things they really find an influencer they like is because of the relatability. Yep. That's something really important. We are humans in the end of the day, you know, whether it's someone who's really famous or someone who's really successful or someone who is, you know, having a regular day, like we're all, we all have the same emotions. So we should share that to give encouragement for people who aspire to follow their dreams. I love that you use social media as a blog because I think, I think blogs and websites are going to come back. I think so too. I love it. I think, I mean, that's how I see with a lot of newsletters too. Yes. For this. I'm like, this is really fun. I think we're itching for something off Instagram. It's hard. I mean, I think in today's world, when I think about the way I consume media, everything is either on Instagram, TikTok, or Twitter. Get my news from Twitter, fashion inspiration from Instagram. And then if I just want to like completely disassociate, I go on TikTok. But like, what if I want something that feels a little bit more like active, that feels yeah. a little bit more engaging? Like I would love to be on a website. So let's see. I mean, that's yeah, no, this is really good insight. I think it's so important. Give us like a Tay Park Pinterest blog vibe. I love it. Love Pinterest. Pinterest is so fun. Like that's kind of also really where I go. I mean, everyone goes there, but I don't blame them. It's yeah, it's it's just endless, endless inspiration. Literally. It's so good. (laughs) I love hearing more into your creative mind. And even I'm I would love to know this. And I'm sure so many people listening would. It's so hard to be a creative, but also run a business. And I would love to hear your best tip on managing both sides of that brain. Oh, my God. It's it's owning a business. You don't switch your brain off. Even in bed, it's like you think about it. You're sitting in a toilet. You're thinking about it like every waking moment you're thinking about it. And 
for a lot of people, if they want to switch off, I totally do not recommend it. It's just not going to be possible. But that's totally okay because in the end, it's really you're guiding and you're leading and you have to be really excited about that. So with that whole process, I I wasn't the best at math, but, you know, I didn't really enjoy the, I didn't really even have a business background, but I think that the intuition really comes to you. You know, it's more so having that common sense of understanding human, you know, emotion and human rational kind of behavior is something really important to apply. So anything you do, if it's like a genuine intention and genuine mindset, things do come out. Like, you know, I, the word is so corny to say I use a lot, but manifestation is something that I really think works. I mean, you have to visualize things. I don't have answers to everything, but I really believe in it. And I really want to figure it out. That kind of internal motivation and aura is so important. And managing the creative aspect with the business is kind of having that balance of optimism, that intuition, gut, you know, looking at other people and not really comparing, but being like, if they can achieve it, why can't we do it? And why can't we do it in a way where it has good integrity? And like being a positive outlook really helps for anything of the outcome. And, you know, me saying like, oh, the negative aspect, like I don't have necessarily the business education, but that's okay. I'm here to learn. I'm here to make it like figure it out. Okay. Then that's also getting vulnerable with your community. I know my, you know, my partner, he's also the business brain of the brand. And I'm like, okay, well, you know, I think my partner is so smart. I'm willing to work with him, discuss with him, being vulnerable, expressing these are the desires I see for the brand. And then, you know, he gives his very logical kind of mindset into being like, well, you know, you're thinking a lot emotionally and that is the success of how people resonate. But at the same time, these are the business aspects we really have to look out for. So it's like having that kind of smart intuition of wanting to ask for as much help with everyone is something really important as a business owner. As an emerging designer today, what do you think it takes to make it in fashion? Telling an honest story. It's it has to really come within because, again, there's only one of you. I tell this I I did some talk with students a lot and they were kind of like, how do I stand out? I'm like, well, think about it. There's only one of you. You know, your experiences are genuinely yours and you can't make that up. And you're human just as important. Your thoughts and your rational emotions are all part of being a human in that sense where be honest about it and tell that story. And I think that the point of view will really resonate with so many people instead of, again, trying to say like something that you think someone would like. It's not a real like humans can sense that. I really think so. You know, when you meet someone, you're like, I know that person is genuine. I feel it in my gut. And that's like how I would always tell everyone to really follow that. And I think that's a balance of a small business mind, like to realize that we have to be able to also resonate. And I, I do love really extravagant like couture shows. It's, it's a beautiful fantasy. But for someone to give advice saying you want to start your business with no like no necessary all the connections you have, then you have to really be realistic as well. And that's comfort for me. I really want to make sure that you're comfortable what you're wearing, but also look beautiful. Thank you so much for coming on today. I'm honestly, it was such a joy getting to know you deeper and hear more about the brand. I love being able to have designers on who I love and really lift that veil of how they work and how they think and the inspiration. And so thank you so much. It was so much fun. Likewise. And thank all team members for, you know, taking their dedicated time. I will, of course.
Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Friend of a Friend. Before you go, make sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and at tiermedia.com. And for more behind the scenes of the show, visit us at friendofafriend.us and follow me at Liv Perez on Instagram. Don't forget the two Vs. See you next week. Please note that this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode.